Welcome to this week's episode of the Spinoza Triad, in which John Gibbs, Richard Miller and Dan Rowland attempt to explore philosophy and contemporary issues, or at least apply philosophy to some contemporary issues. This week, we're going to try to use philosophy, particularly the philosophy of Martin Heidegger, to understand a problem that philosophers have explored and been troubled by since the time of the Greeks, and that is authenticity. Is it possible to be an authentic individual? In our lifetime, do we play many parts? In our daily lives, do we assume many characters? Are we an individual, singular person? One person existing inside our head at all times and throughout our lives? Or are we indeed many things? Philosophers have struggled with this. We are going to attempt to apply their historic struggle to social media. The internet and the advent of social media is one of the most revolutionary changes in my lifetime. What contribution has social media made to the philosophical debate of authenticity? I'll start with a quote. Good. In politics, authenticity is essential. And if you can fake that, you're made. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's from Groucho Marx. Sounds about right, doesn't it? As a jest, it might also apply to life, might it? I mean, to what extent is it necessary to be authentic? If authentic is, well, what is authenticity? I'll, I'll start with authenticity being some inner true self. There is a you which, no matter what games you play in life, no matter how you present to the rest of the world, there's a you that lies within it, a Cartesian you. And you're only really authentically honest when you are aware of that person and aware of that and are able to be that person. Could you go any further with the definition of what that is? The unchanging self. So it's a bit like using a bit of Buddhism and Hinduism, that inner core that is at the centre of everything you do and is unchanging from birth to death. The essential you. We certainly have a sense of that being true. And we like to believe it. I don't know how true it really is. And that's the issue, isn't it? Because whenever you press this and say, what do you actually mean by that? What do you mean by a core? What, what is this essence? You know, if you try and define it, it becomes extremely difficult, doesn't it? Yes. I'm just going to say, John, because it's always in relation to something else, isn't it? Trying to identify this authentic being or this underpinning thing seems to have been a problem. I think that relationship, uh, what this is, I mean, modernity, if you like, is to some extent the uncovering of that authentic self and there being a core self and then postmodern step has been the realization or the possibility that the self the authentic part is just a construction anyway something that we develop we construct ourselves which which yeah. kind of leads on a little bit to the discussion if we if we were going to say on the one hand authenticity on one hand and social media on the other we've got a nice dualism there haven't we between what we think may be ourselves and ways in which of constructing it or not you know maybe there is <clears throat> I think I think you raised an interesting point about the self being relational and I think what John was alluding to at the beginning was this almost non-relational idea of the self so it's almost pointing towards metaphysics and religion and ideas of a soul perhaps which is eternal so if you start talking about you creating your own self authentically to suit 
the situation you find yourself in. That's a, similar to Groucho Marx's line. It becomes inauthentic uh, because you start play acting yourself. You start playing a role to fit a situation you find yourself in. And that's exactly what people are doing on the internet is they're looking at their audience and that's what politicians do. They look at their audience and they're trying to preempt what the audience are thinking and then try and deliver a self which is going to cater for those needs. All that sounds really inauthentic. Yes, and I think that's where the problem of authenticity is being agonised over by philosophy, the core essential self that you must be somehow honest to. Christianity does agonise over that. St Augustine talks about how there are the good acts and there are the apparently good acts, what we would call virtue signalling. Mm. It's not a good act to be good and honest if that's because you want to get into heaven. Fear of God doesn't make you good. What makes you good is somehow being good for its own sake. Yeah. And then just straight up can. Yeah. Can't. If you're the businessman and you are honest because you think it's good business, that's not being honest. If you follow that down to its conclusion and say, well, everything is about expression of myself without the other or without thinking about the other in any sense, does that not just then lead to a kind of alienation? Not You're not alienated from yourself because you are, if anything, you're channeling into this self that we're saying does exist but we're not too sure what it is but what does it actually translate as it can sound like it translates as pure narcissism yeah being, exactly. being honest to yourself exactly. is simply living the life you want to lead disregarding all others yeah no I, I disagree i think if you're looking at um eastern religions it's like the concept of nirvana in buddhism is the idea of realizing that the self is an illusion right and that's the true authentic position when you actually unravel all the the masking and all the role playing you do even the role playing you do to yourself but there's a there's that inner core that is almost a sense of well that's what buddhists would say a, a sense of complete detachment a sense of nothingness a blowing out of the fires of the self i've said this because when i'm teaching about buddhism i say imagine you could have a holiday from yourself just for half an hour, just for maybe an hour or two. Right. How would it feel? And you would still see the world around you, but without the without the focus of ego, without the focus of self. I don't know whether Heidegger talks about this, but that's definitely coming from an Eastern perspective. To truly be yourself is you have to realise that the self is an illusion. It's fascinating, that, isn't it? Because when you describe that, it sounds very postmodern. The core self, the kind of Cartesian self, that inside me, there's a, there's a, true, there's a true me and I, all the rest is play acting. And the, uh, the Buddhist philosophy, as I take it from you, Dan, says something like that you, that core you is a kind of ego that you're projecting on the world. The attachments, yeah. So, so get rid of that. Inhabit the world as someone that recognises their own sort of almost non-existence. In a way, yeah, mm. but that's, that, that would be a, a Buddhist perspective. But what Siddhartha Gautama talks about is the incredible peace and tranquility that comes from that blowing out of the fires of the self. Yes, Dan, I think it's, it's really interesting to bring in that Eastern perspective to set it against, I think, some of the discussions we're having, especially from in relation to Heidegger's ideas of authenticity. If there was an overlap between Heidegger and Buddhism, it would be that they would both be frustrated with a world of distraction, a world of vanity, a world of what I think Heidegger de describes as the circularity of consumption, being, being fallen, fallen out of yourself 
and into the routines and the kind of drugged world of ordinary everyday consuming and living and the circular round and not being awake to the world. And where I think that Heidegger would feel very different to a Buddhist is the sense that he, if he met, you know, the Buddhist holy man, he'd want to say, give him a shake, really, and say, sort of, wake up to the to this reality of the world. You know, Heidegger's recipe for being awake is to go to a graveyard and think about death and the the, the absolute um, inevitability of death. And also, I think one one of the major differences between Heidegger and Buddhism is the distinction between the mind and the body, which I don't think Heidegger makes. I think he sees your mind, your body, you as existing in this place, in this time, thrown into the world. I think that it's impossible to take a holiday from the body. It is probably impossible to put out the fires of the self. I think the, the mind and the body and the self are utterly um, combined. Interesting. In a way that, you know, that, that kind of idea, you see it in... In science fiction, the idea of the transfer of consciousness from one body to another. Multiple episodes of Black Mirror or, or Freaky Friday. You are taken out of yourself and you wind up in someone else's body. or something. Then you're looking out through someone else's eyes. That's the first thing that would happen if, if your mind were to be transferred into the body, or to another body, the first thing you discover is that you were somebody else. And that you as you were, were inhabiting the last body, was now dead. You, the mind is you, and the body are you. They are a combination of you to transfer the mind. I think those poor buggers who um, have their bodies cryogenically frozen and wait, going to be woken up sometime in the future, when they wake up in the future, if that were possible, again, I doubt it ever is going to be possible, if they were to be woken up in the future, the first thing they discover is that they are... Um, not themselves anymore because they're different, living in a different world. And I suspect you can't distance yourself. I am me right now in this world. And that's, I think, one of the things that Heidegger is saying is that um, you exist now in this world, thrown into this world. This is your one shot at existence. Yeah. In this time, in this place, this is your body and your place in time. If you open up a photograph album, you're looking at pictures of yourself in the past. You're looking at pictures of your dead self. Uh, this is the moment, this is the reality, this is where you exist. I also feel the, the Buddhist pursuit or, or, or the mystical pursuit, the holy man's pursuit, is itself an act of narcissism. You know, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting, again, I think, to, if you think about that in, in religious language and, and speak discourse, if you like, we're, we're talking about it and, it and it has that kind of meaning. But when you're saying that, it reminds me of when we did the Foucault one a while ago, kind of more more of a sort of social scientific perspective that the the self was washed away like a face drawn into the sand. As we talk about it in terms of language, we talk about it. Therefore, it's discursive. Therefore, it is already at the at the kind of mercy of the specific cultural and historical discourses of whatever period you're in. So, in order to construct an authentic self, do we construct the authentic self? Or is it, is it something that which you arrive at by unpacking other areas? Yeah, and also what you're saying there, Richard, reminds me of the stuff I've been looking at lately on Hegel and that, yeah. that idea of the historical context of ideas and the historical context of identity. Hegel presents the idea of that evolving through time, that there are yeah. truths which evolve through a historical 
evolutionary yeah. process. The essential truth for Hegel, I can say this. <laughs> yeah. The essential truth. For, I've got Hegel. Like, yeah, yeah. In one sentence, <laughs> the essential truth for Hegel is something like the pursuit of freedom. Freedom in written, you know, was it, was it, I've, I've got to paraphrase now. History is freedom working itself out or something of that kind. Well, so you know, the, the pursuit of, he, of reason and freedom are real and are authentic. But I think Hegel, I've got, again, I'm going to say it, Hegel, I mean, I've no idea what Hegel was really saying, to be honest. <laughs> the, more, the, more, the more I read, the less yeah. I know. But uh, I, I mean, wouldn't he say that the truth would be in the whole? And, and, and in that sense, the authenticity of an individual can only be understood as it relates as part of the whole, the absolute. That, that's how you know, truth is part of, of the whole. And in that, he, he wouldn't, I don't think, see, well, he doesn't. He sees subjects and substance or, you know, so the subject in relation to everything around it. I'm, I'm just always cautious of thinking about something like authenticity. It's, it's very, very difficult to pin down. We, we kind of have an innate understanding of what it means, but the very thing that we think it means, when you start to strip away, there doesn't seem, I mean, there is an authentic life there, but it, it, it's not, does that even make sense? Well, it does. <laughs> I'm, saying there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll bet most people understand it as simply being honest. To thine end, so it's, it's about, uh, right. so um, yeah. Matt Hancock has profoundly proved <laughs> Proved to be inauthentic because he says one thing and does something else. And from, I think that for right. most people will be, that'll do it. That'll, that'll do. So just hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is inauthenticity. You know, that, that, that will, that will, in, or that will, or at least. Unless he had an authentic, an authentic fidelity to in, inauthentic, you know, in hypocrisy. <laughs> well, yeah. He's been true to himself. Well, yeah, that's it. Well, it yeah. well, that, well that, that's, that's where you start to go down that road. And then, then the most... <laughs> the, yeah, the, the trouble is going down that road is that then the most authentic person becomes the person who is, you know, the, most, the, 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 the psychopath. Yes. So they, they care nothing for others and they know it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And everything they do is justified by their own socially constructed we're now wondering to some extent whether dishonesty and inauthenticity is itself a social necessity it may be that to, in order to operate in the world we have to be inauthentic we have to present ourselves in a number of ways you know the games people play we have to uh, put on the face to meet the faces that we meet that even from the start with children the, the authenticity of somebody is, is trained out of them like in order to have a, a parent's, mm. of, you know, you, in order to, nice, to be a yeah. good, yeah, a good child, you have to reject the part of the thing the child wants to be. It has to be what it wants to for its mother or for its father or, or whoever's, you know, its parents. As people grow, there, there's a constant odds at what you really want to be and what you are to be for others. 
So authenticity is always a problem, which is in later life, you know, this can manifest through midlife crises. But I'm keen to sort of draw that into how social media works. If we say that social media is another expression of ourselves, it's easy to sit here and say social media is just inauthentic because it's just another thing that removes us from this core self. Because if we're saying that we have to construct authenticity and it's for the other, then it's really a kind of virtualized version of that, isn't it? Social media. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not making any ethical judgments. I'm not saying it's good or bad. Can I throw something in? But it's Heidegger on this. If you don't move towards death in your being, you are not being truly authentic to your true conditions. And so he says anything that distances ourselves from that condition is inauthentic. And in terms of social media, social media is, is almost existing outside of time. It's non-relational to actual real time in that respect and progress through time. Well, what does that actually mean, though, Dan? What, what does that mean, though? You know, if, if you say I'm living with death, I mean, I'm, so for Heidegger, would an authentic uh, existence be one in which you continually thought about, yeah, that you can, that death was always in the back of your mind? I mean, it does, doesn't sound too fun, does it? Sounds like a, sounds like a bit of a proposition for a happy yeah. life, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What, is it, what does that mean? I suppose that old cliche, if you're not really prepared for death, you're not really prepared for life. Right. So if you accept death every day as part and parcel of your existence, you perhaps might come across as being more authentic than someone who yes. imagines they're going to live for a thousand years. Yeah. Yeah. Or that if you live a life that, that is um, continually deferring uh, the, yeah. the the thought of death, the thought of old age, the thought of the realities of life. A criticism of the consumer society is that we live in a society of uh, kind of ephemera. Nothing matters. It's just it's just it's just yeah. trying to take your mind off. We li we live in a society of of, of immediacy and short term consumption and so on. Come, you know, in the end, if you can if you can embrace the idea that this is this is the one life you've got, live it with honesty, with um, awareness, then that gets you closer to some sort of authenticity. Yeah, he comes up with things called Das Man, which is the social structures around us. Which he contrasts with uh, Dasein, you know, the, the beingness of being, actually a, a, a being in this world at this time and you in this world at this time. That's it, or, yeah. Or, we talk, or, or the, the facticity of being, you know, that this, this world is what it is. You didn't ask for it. You got what you got. Um, you're limited by all sorts of things you couldn't possibly but, choose. Exactly. So, and, and an awareness of those limitations and realities of... So, if you're, so if you're moving away from that and you're imagining that things are different, then you're being inauthentic. We're becoming mesmerised by the technology, which means you're moving away from being a true, inframed individual and living an authentic life. We're being obsessed by the tools rather than the life... And doesn't that relate very much to, the, to, a, to a long lasting sort of philosophical concern that society distances you from your true self? You know, Rousseau, yes. Rousseau man is born free, but he's everywhere in chains by yeah. society and society's but, conventions. Um, well, then, then we're reaching right back, aren't we, to the, to the sort of classical philosophers and the idea yeah. that the only true man is the man who lives in a barrel and... Um, <laughs> Enjoys himself. <laughs> Enjoys himself freely. Yeah. yeah. 
contemporary society, the internet in general, becoming kind of hardwired into what it means to be a person. Is it, is it possible to be, to be authentic outside of this? You've got facticity on one hand with, with Heidegger, this, this idea of a potential on the other, a sort of existential a sort of moment to construct yourself. Social media is there's a lot of criticism. The young <laughs> yeah. people performing online, you know, you go online to see to see the echo chamber of yourself. You only look online for the things you wish to find and so on. And so that constructs a greater level of social falsity and potential alienation. Authenticity, inauthenticity, because going yeah. back to what we said earlier, what we started with, that hidden core that's quite hard to pin down. Yeah. Uh, let's say the younger you are, you're, you're, you're then there's a certain emptiness at the centre of what with that thing we talked about, which we can't define. That perhaps doesn't have any real reference to someone who's younger, who lives uh, on social media. Yeah. Uh, and they are defining it. They have this emptiness at the centre. Uh, and all that's being replaced is, is audiences and likes rather than that moment of reflection walking in the woods or, you know, looking at a sunset. Uh, it, it has no reference yes, without, although... without an audience. An authentic individual only needs an audience of one, which is yourself, which isn't narcissistic, total engagement with your own being at that current time. Yes. And the social media now that's used removes people from that essential human experience. You can't spend five minutes on the on the internet or engage with social media at all without feeling to what extent are we performing? I mean, what, what, what a, you know, if I was to sort of do a, do a sort of meta narrative about this, what exactly are we doing here? We're in a sense performing and we're um, communicating with each other, but we're also, wh why, why is this turning into a podcast? Because it's, we're, we're sort of podcasting for the sake of, of performance. Yeah. There's an awareness of the other person in the room, which is the, the potential person who can listen to this. So as Hello. we speak yeah. now, are we really speaking authentically or are we speaking with a degree of a sense of, you know, of being, of being watched? Thanks for that. I was quite relaxed, John, because you said that. <laughs> there's, the, there's the ghost. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. So was yeah. I, if, we, if we talk about what we talked about earlier, which is something I think, Richard, you said about the, how the, we define ourselves to some degree but by our community, by our society, by yeah. our external to ourselves. Well, some, a, a young person, a young un, a young because <laughs> I've yeah. met some, they, they, a young person, might, well, not just a young person, but someone, someone who d defends the social media might say something along the lines of, it's a different form of referencing. It, it isn't just a case of, of, the, of the sort of old, of the, of the organic community of neighbours and friends and village and, and, and that sort of community. It's the community that exists far more extens extensive, that, that people, social media offers an opportunity to define yourself through connections far beyond anything we could have imagined 10 or 15, 20 years ago. Well, it's, it's like the, it's like the old Goffman um, thing, isn't it? We put, you know, the presentation of self, it's, it's another way in which the self can perform on a daily, you know, you go, you know, you go to work and you, you, you act out a certain role, don't you? You, you perform mm. in a certain way, perhaps social media, and, and, and it's on, it seems quite benign when you say that, well, I, I perform or, you know, bearing in mind, you know, a lot of people make their entire living through social media and it's an integral part of, of, of most people's lives now in, in some form or another. That's all very well, I suppose. I mean, the critical part of that, I think, is when it's not benign, it's like you say, it's, it's, it's basically run on algorithms. So you've got, a, it's almost to me a, a kind of virtual id 
or like a you know an unconscious because it's giving you back stuff that I've had a few times recently. I've spoken about something to someone, and um, it's very random. But I, I, was, I was talking to someone about an infrared, <laughs> an infrared weight cutting suit, right? I mean, like the most random thing ever. I'd never heard of one before. My friend was talking about it. We were talking about it. I went onto Instagram. What should appear the first advert? An infrared weight cutting suit. I mean, it's like, wow. So, you know, it's listening to everything you're saying. And then I spoke to another friend that's a very sort of more tech minded. And he said that, yeah, you, 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 you sort of sign away in the terms and conditions. No, did you not read that? No, you know, no one does, do they? But so the, the unconscious almost of the algorithms are kind of shaping you what you consciously see as yes. what would be an authentic self anyway if, if you listen to philosophy online you'll get philosophy stuff back at you yes. if you're into whatever you're into it comes back at you again so it's kind of removing the the, the possibility for authenticity in, in many respects yeah so that so that presents that sort of presents the social media as a as another form of just social entrapment you know, if you, if, right. if through centuries people have worried about the city or class or the pomposity, you know, so if Rousseau's worried about uh, class and um, convention, then we then you're saying, well, all all you've got now is a is a much more complicated and a much more sophisticated intrusion into your real self. So, that, mm, so except, except you could say perhaps again uh, with previous forms of control of the self. You had that. You had that ability to remove and see it for what it what it truly is. You'd have those moments of privacy. Uh, now you could argue that trying to see, express yourself privately, you're turning yourself almost into a resource on the internet. So the internet is feeding on your desire for freedom. So a lot of people use the internet as a, as an expression of freedom. We have all the discussions about you know uh, freedom of speech, etc., on the internet. But all that freedom is turning into a form of entrapment and resource building for social media companies. You are authentically expressing yourself through an inauthentic means on the social media platforms. And so it well, doesn't allow you to be authentically true, whereas the previous stuff like the city or um, you know, uh, previous social arrangements allowed you to withdraw and that's what created the authenticity. With social media, there is no withdrawal allowed. That's the difference. Dan, you're sort of what, you're, what you seem to be describing there is a kind of authenticity of privacy, private self to close the, close I, the door. I don't, I don't think you can be an authentic individual without privacy. Right. And if you can't withdraw. And now we won't, anyone who is, let's not say young people, anyone who's using social media perhaps more than they did in the past, may find that their ideas of privacy um, have changed. Um, I don't know, Dan. I don't know. I mean, let's just say you're a stand-up comic or a musician or, or something like this. And, you know, that, that is your authentic mode of being, is, is your, your art form. You're an artist. Social media, to an extent, gives you an ability to pursue your authentic self because an, art, an artist without anyone is, is their art without somebody watching it. But... Well, it may be that art exists in a synergy between the artist and the audience. The performance is the authentic product. The product is the authentic uh, feature of the artist's performance and so on. And so I think in that sense, we are, as I think we are, 
existing truly in society, not in our minds, in our heads, divorced from society. I would I would say the in answer to that one, performer, the comedian, or the you know the, the clown, the, tra the, the the tragic clown, you know the person who is is most happiest in front of the stage in reality is often very depressed and miserable and moving towards some form of substance abuse, perhaps. There's a, there's a story. I'll do a, do, a, do, a, do an anecdote now. Tell us a story, yeah. This is a story. This is a story <laughs> about, the, about um, a guy who go in the, in, the, in the late 18th century goes to see a physician. And he says, I, I'm, I'm despairing the whole time. I feel deeply, deeply in despair of life. I, I just can't see any reason to be alive. And I, I constantly think about killing myself. And the doctor says, well, he said, uh, I don't know he, well, uh, what to say other than Recently, I went to the theatre and saw the great Grimaldi, the clown, the great Grimaldi, and I've never laughed so much in my life. He's hilarious. The man is absolutely the funniest man alive. Go and see the great Grimaldi. Maybe he'll cheer you up. And of course, the patient replies, well, I am the great Grimaldi. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. talk about privacy in terms of legality now only not in terms of emotions and as time moves yeah. on people are having less less space to be themselves to look at the sunset and not worry about a performative aspect yes. to it i i think no myself i dis disagree in some respects yeah. because i think it depends on how we define authenticity is authenticity actually the way in which your self feels at its most fulfilled um regardless of con constraints coming at you animal coming at you so so by that i mean like i said i'll take take the musician is the musician not at their most authentic when they're performing for people not not in any sad way not in any but just to perform to make people happy or the or the comic or the actor that's where they feel at their most authentic is when they're pursuing something like that. I'm going to agree with you there, but I think most people are not performing. Most people are not, it's a minority of people are creative performers. That's why they're in demand. Most, but everyone is sharing a human condition. Does not social media allow a platform whereby people can construct the kind of um, a performance that they feel in some way reflects? I'm going to stick with the idea that I think that the self. Well, I'm not going to go as far as the nihilism of, of Buddhism where the self doesn't exist. I think we started with that idea that yeah. there is self. We can't quite define it. We don't quite yeah. we can't pin it down. Um, but that's the thing that is the where, where everything emanates from. The fact we couldn't define it shows it's not performative with the social media. So I'm going to take it the other way for us all to become performers. I think that the thing with social media here which limits in some sense the authentic presentation of self, either individually or perhaps through social media. This, Freud talked about this idea of castration into the symbolic. So he uses the example of when you stand on a, on a, on a hillside and look at the valley of trees before uh, you have the word for trees, you see different shades of colours and, and mm. shapes and all this kind of thing. And then once you've got the word trees, you are castrated from the meaningfulness of those things because language takes you one step away from that. In some respects, I suppose, especially something like the original Twitter where you only had so many things you could say and, and even on a, on a Facebook or Instagram posting, 
you are in some sense by the very medium itself castrated from any real life, aren't you? And we all kind oh, of know that. But that's what we've been because saying. I'm, I'm reluctant, just quickly, because there are, you, you do get artists and you do get people and I, I, that use social media in very creative sense as well. So it's not, it's not one or the other. I think there is room there for a construction, an authentic construction of self through online presences. I mean, what we seem to be saying here is that that reminds me again of the idea of that all construction, speech, language, society, customs, the internet, the social media is all some somehow a fabrication. And the only reality is what is, is other than that. In fact, that takes us away from ourselves and takes us away from uh, authentic communications. To refer back to the ancient the Greeks again, Plato objected to writing as a lesser form of communication than speech because speech could be responded to, speech could be quizzed, speech could be questioned. He compares writing to a painting. It's kind of dead. It represents an idea that you can't dialogue with, whereas speech is more authentic than writing. And, well, but to take that even further, and if you could argue that even speech itself doesn't reflect thought. Thought is the only authentic. So in that, in that sense, all communication is a kind of corruption of some kind of authentic thought into some kind of inauthentic language, which might be corrupted into some sort of inauthentic writing and so on. You know, it comes back to the whole idea again that all communication is a form of, um, of lying in the sense that representation isn't the real thing. There's a, there's a painting by the surrealist painter Magritte. And, but Magritte paints uh, a painting of a gentleman's pipe, you know, a pipe, the kind of uh, the pipe you'd smoke tobacco in, the pipe, the kind of pipe that um, Sherlock Holmes might have. The painting of this pipe is titled, This is Not a Pipe. And well, he's making a very simple sort of semiotic observation that it's no, it's a painting of a pipe. It's not actually a pipe. Communication is a form of representation, and representation is a form of inauthenticity. It's a bit the like we might. Yes, reminded me a bit of um, when we talked in the past about Wittgenstein and his conclusion in the end that language can't go there. I forget the ending of the, the, the famous phrase he uses. But all we do not know, we must remain silent. So yeah, must in, remain in, silent. in the end, the only proper response to these big questions is silence. say what is the self we couldn't actually figure we can actually put words around it but we know it's there well we think we know it's there yeah yeah we, we, we certainly we certainly feel yeah. it's there and, it, and there. you know it's, it's very troubling yeah. to think it's not and it's a, an apparently easy idea you know to be be honest be, be yourself be honest to yourself be your own self you know but, but, but if we but if we if we look at the social social media and say well if what we're worried about in social media is its performativity it's, it's inauthenticity because it's, it's simply a matter of performance. 
isn't that what we're all doing, even as we speak to each other right now, in any in social interaction in life, isn't it always a kind of lie? Isn't dishonesty the presentation of self mm. sim simply what we human beings do? Who, would, who really wants to see inside anyone else's head? The trouble with social media is there is this algorithm, big brother aspect to it as well. So it's, it's really weaving in amongst that opportunities for us to explore for well, certain, you know, for, for people to express themselves through certain media, uh, but realize that that isn't uh, benign, or it's not, it's not just an innocent kind of rolling out of yourself. It's manipulated, and your data uh, is is manipulated. Yeah. Does it become less of a problem if you understand these things and still go ahead and use it anyway, understanding that there are? Uh, I just, I don't want to throw it all out as being inauthentic no. because I think for for many people it is an avenue for authenticity. Are we in danger of sort of underestimating human beings' capacity to understand the medium as the message, you know, to go back to Martin yeah. and to know, yeah. and to know, and to, you know, the knowingness of people as they enter the internet and they enter social media, they, they know it's false. And, and they may not. I mean, I think it, it can be both things. It can be entrapped. It, can, yeah. it can be algorithms that manipulate, can be manipulative, but also, yeah. for instance, we talk about death. Surely people of this particular age in which we, me and you are living in are for the first time to some degree liberated from death by in, the internet is eternal as far as we know. And we, we push ourselves onto it and they know that you know, we are all publishers of our own lives right now in the way that mm. most people went anonymously to their graves for millions of yeah. years. It won't mean to, you'll, you'll have a sense of memorial perhaps, but it won't overcome, yeah. Um, but I think what you said earlier, John, about people having control over the algorithm and being wary of it and all that kind of thing, that's kind of what I was saying earlier about the sense of withdrawal. To be truly authentic, you can't be framed or shaped by social media. You have to use it. Going back to Heidegger, it's, it's a tool of a craftsman. Yeah, as soon as you're obsessed by the tool, you then become rather boring, like someone talking about hammers when they're not uh, banging nails in. You know, you don't want to have that conversation. Now, what's happening is they're be everyone's becoming in awe of the tools um, and not having a sense of withdrawal. I I'd say you only have that sense of withdrawal when you know what the medium is that you're using. I can put it in perspective and I can see, well, that's that's my performative self. That's how I'm on the Internet. But that's not my real self. My real self is so you need oh. that withdrawal for it to be authentic. Yeah. For me, the issue with social media and authenticity is, is it for its own sake? Is it something which is just relying on thinking about some other all the time? Is, is that, if that is what is validating your motivation, then it's a problem uh, and it yeah. ceases to be authentic. If you are putting something out there which is authentic regardless, then it can be used as a tool for someone trying to achieve some form of authenticity. But again, it's a bit like Bill Hicks. Have you heard that Bill Hicks thing? Where he's talking about marketing and he says oh, yeah. just go ahead kill That's yourself awesome. i'm not taking the angle you know you, you know yeah. you take a picture of it and you put it online it's does that does that devalue it as an authentic act that's interesting you should use that phrase the authentic act where that takes us back to the idea of the of the virtue the act for its own sake and the act for performance the problem there is is it an ethical act being authentic i don't know if it is there's a difference between I think there is a difference between authenticity and ethics. And what you're asking there, Richard, is, is good the same as real? I think we tend to feel it is because 
Dishonesty often is associated with some form of deception. And honesty is seen as a virtue. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He is what he appears to be. There's no side to him. We say all these things of people who are what they appear to be. So that does kind of lead you to the possibility that the, the honest self-interested or the honest selfish person or the honest evil person is in some ways authentic. Well, it's like you said at the beginning about the Kantian argument, isn't it, really? Or the idea um, that um, in the Christian universe, Lucifer is the only free one. Lucifer is the more authentic figure. And to turn that on its head, uh, in St. Augustine's writings, The City of God, or in the writings of, or more explicitly, Thomas Aquinas, they both observe that one of the joys of being saved, one of the joys of being in heaven, is the elect, when they arrive in paradise, will, will be able to look down into hell and see the agonies of the damned, and that will make the joys of heaven all the greater. There's a kind of curious way in which goodness is rewarded by sadism. I think not only does this expose a kind of um, paradox in the nature of Christian virtue, but in the danger of virtue itself. Those throughout history have claimed a special, authentic, access to the truth or to reality or to goodness have often been those who are most likely to use violence. I mean, Robespierre was the uh, architect of the terror during the French Revolution, was described as the sort of uncorruptible one. And purity and honesty and authenticity have often been the, the claims of the most horrifyingly violent. <laughs> So could you be utterly unethically authentic? I suppose, you, suppose you can, can't you, in that sense? So there is a morality to authenticity. So the authentic person has to be the, the person who does no harm, at the very least. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Is it not that it's the spark of potential potentiality that, that in pursuing that becomes an authentic life? It might not be that, that to, to, to be on your own and, and, and removed from other people for the, if, if that if that isn't your calling, you know, to, then yeah. you're you're being inauthentic in that. Calling presumably means some kind of honesty to to your own condition. Yeah, you know, yeah. I do this because I wish to do this, or is it, or is it because calling can sound like destiny? That which I was supposed to do. Do, that, do we not all have that slightly in, in some regard? You know, people have a calling, and and people are unhappy perhaps when they're not fulfilling their their potential whatever it could be i think we do have a sense of of wanting to leave the world a better place than it is well some people do some, being, some don't being, is being the authentic person being the good father and taking that seriously as a role that you can play that you know in this brief passage of time you will be the good parent you'll be the good father you'll be the good teacher you'll be the good waiter you'll be the good you'll be the good butcher's baker or, or candlestick maker you'll try and do those things well and not badly so that others are improved by what you do. That's where authenticity then becomes some sort of moral principle. Is it unethical 
to not pursue your authenticness, what you're calling or whatever it is you, it could be. The ethics, if you like, is in that rather than any form of outcome. Yeah. That we've talked about in the past about Nietzsche's idea of living, living the life as though you, if, you, if you had to live that life again and again and again. The eternal again, reoccurrence. The eternal reoccurrence, then, then it's a very high bar to set. To become the best version of yourself, to overcome yourself. Quite how that would go in with social media, though. I, I... Social media doesn't allow for that because it's just eternal chatter. Yes, you can perhaps you know, uh, put your creative stuff out there, but if you are being framed by that chatter, that might stop you from living the kind of life that you're supposed to lead. You, you, you can't spend your whole time consumed by having arguments on Twitter or putting Facebook posting, postings on Facebook. For much of human history, people aren't able to live to their potential or to develop their own skills or abilities because of mm. the strictures of class and of wealth and the ordinary mm. business of getting up in the morning and having to live a life. Vast, the vast majority of human beings go anonymously to their graves. And yet here we live in an age when the ordinary person can magnify their own skills. Yeah, I'd say I'd agree with you, but I'd find that the people that might want to be expressing themselves in, in you know, you know uh, classical music or, you know, fine arts or something like that, the, 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 the internet is, seems to be driven by the lowest common denominator. Look at all forms of entertainment now. It's getting less and less oh. highbrow and more base. I, I, and, I, 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 I don't know, Dan. I think that social media could allow three old, three old buffers to talk about philosophy and highbrow <laughs> ideas. I just feel yes. there's the potential no one, for that. No one's listening, yeah. but anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, believe, I believe it could have access. It could very it. mediocre people access <laughs> yeah. to a platform. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to mis, about... To mispronounce yeah. long words. Yeah. You, you look... <laughs> I will persist with that. If you look at the YouTube channels, if you look at the things where someone says, I am a YouTuber, mm. and they've got all the chatter going their way, and then see what they do, and see what kind of things they're talking about. Whereas perhaps some of the more, you know, reflective stuff or creative stuff might be sitting at the bottom of YouTube or... Uh, I don't know, Dan. I mean, I, 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 no. just, I see that as, a, as, a, as an amazing resource, really. I, I'm agreeing with you. I just think the way the market, I think one we've left out, I think it's a fantastic resource and I totally agree with you. And I agree with the points you made about, you know, the veil of tears and now people might not uh, go to their deaths with uh, an anonymous gravestone, uh, but and there'll still be something there of them long time after they've gone. Uh, but it, I think it's the market we need to be talking about, the marketplace of ideas as over over you know the marketplace of consumption we're actually talk when we talk about ideas now or we talk about music or talk about creativity the the, the market now calls us consumers rather than mm. listeners or artists or people who appreciate art we've become consumers so I, I think what left out this debate with social media is market principles uh, whereby people are starting to sell themselves rather than express themselves That suggests that the, what we talked about last week, the consumer society is basically inauthentic. And yes. consum consumption itself mitigate, mitigates against yeah, being you, being honest. And being I think the, the relationship with social media and authenticity is really on motivation. 
you know, as I said, I, I think it depends upon, you know, if you're achieving your potential and you're doing that, and part of that is yeah. for other people to see oh, it yeah. and putting it out there, then it's authentic. Yeah. I think that social media and are fantastic vehicles some of the time for authenticity in some respects to be shown. But the problem, I think, with social media isn't the relationship with authenticity. I think the problem is, as, as, as we've mentioned before, you know, this kind of um, virtualized other where you don't validate your own uh, action. So let's just say you're, you're an artist and you have authentically, you've driven it, you paint this amazing painting and you want to sell it online. And, you, you, and I've seen many artists do this through Instagram and they sell stuff. And what, what if then you saw the validation only through the amount of likes that you get. And you, your likes aren't contingent on how good the painting are. Your likes are contingent on the algorithm and how many followers you've got. I think yeah. that that becomes an issue there. If you, if you start to view your own uh, success and failure in regard to just that medium, as opposed mm. to the art by itself. Mm. But That's is that any different? But, it, but Dan, is that any different from before social media when an artist produces a painting and nobody likes it until they're dead or, or, or you know, Books and music. Well, I mean, well, the list goes you could on, say the it? artist like Van Gogh carried on. Yes. He didn't really care about the audience. That was the point. Yeah. Is, that, is that real, true creatives don't really care about the audience? Picasso. Right. They no, just keep the, stuff out. Isn't there a degree of uh, of, of cultural um, val valuing there? With where it's a bit like the old idea that the British the British actor who went off to Hollywood had somehow lost his authenticity. You know, he should have been on the stage at Stratford knocking out a good Hamlet. But he went off to Hollywood, I mean, Richard Burton or someone, went off to Hollywood and, and started a lot of crappy old films and made a ton of money and therefore lost what he should be doing. That, that, that makes a, you're making a cultural distinction between authentic culture and, and inauthentic culture. Often what is popularly seen as inauthentic one generation, it becomes a classic of the next generation. So it's I think what we've, we, our conversation starts to focus on that minority of people who are creative uh, whereas the social media is for everyone. This is a very unique new uh, yes. expression of how to be a human being, and we don't know how it works and where it's going to end. So it's calling on all of us now to not only commodify ourselves, but also to turn us into performers. So we're performing commodities. And if you're mm. a performing commodity, to me, that sounds like that's inauthentic with the human condition, which requires privacy and reflection and, you know, moments to yourself, which are truly to yourself. And if everything is now going to be online, and we haven't even talked about virtual reality, and I used that for the first time on Friday, met my brother in a virtual room, it was most bizarre. That's only around the corner. And when we actually then leave our physical surroundings and go online, digitally and see ourselves as a uh, replicated avatar uh, that we've created ourselves we're detaching ourselves so much from the human condition our meaning of our life is other people and is interacting with them and isn't there isn't the we could see the i'm, I'm taking the point all, the, all the, about the commodification and the algorithms but isn't there a possibility that what the internet is is a kind of just not extended senses it gives a, your voice a, a way of going further, your eyesight a way of seeing things further, your memory has been extended by this great googly memory you've got now. You can, anytime you can't remember anything, you just Google it and it, up it comes. So our senses are, we become greater human beings in a sense. 
I would say that talking about memory, I'd probably say not. I think it's people's visual memory perhaps has dimmed a bit with uh, everything has to be photographed and filmed. So I'd say, again, it's that relationship you have with yourself and your own ideas and your own experiences become less real because they have to be recorded and they only become real once you see the recording. Yeah, that, that, that reminds me of the kind of Baudrillard observation that America had become Disneyland. It wasn't, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't that Disney reflected America, it was that America now reflected Disney. And, uh, and that's the, what I'm getting at, I think, yeah. The, the, mm -hmm. proposi the proposition of the, the, the plastic non-realness of our world, and that seems to be presented through social media. I, I, think, I think that's very bleak, though. I think it's a tool, and, and I think that really, in order to engage with it, you have to take that qualitative step and realise that, you know, yes, it does this, yes, it, it does that. It's also, you know, there's a lot of issues with it. I remember knocking on my son's door once, you know, how many years ago it was, and he's got his phone on one bit with a figure, you know, it's spit into four screen, he's chatting to his mates, he's online playing COD, whatever it was, with people around, and he's lying on his bed, and it's, and I'm thinking, God, I'd have loved that when I was younger. Oh, definitely, I'm not, not questioning that, but yeah. is it, I think... Are we wanting a society where we're entertained or do we want a society where people are citizens and reflective individuals? Mm. We're going into politics there, but it seems like we're all just, you know, sitting back and being entertained at the moment. And that makes us very passive. I mean, to some extent, we're, we're embracing that idea that human beings have agonised over is, is the authentic person active and honest to themselves yeah. and participatory and... Or are we passively being entertained? Is it famous story of, of Sartre sitting in the restaurant and he looks at the waiter and he says that waiter lives lives a life of bad faith? Yeah, because yeah. he's happy being a waiter and he thinks he can never be. In, you know, he goes and grumbles about being a waiter. I've got to be a waiter all my life. Horrible. He doesn't realise how free he is. Whereas he can just throw his towel on side and walk out the restaurant. But and what he should be doing is either is either being the best waiter he can be and embracing that. Yeah. With the sort of human choice. And I think, you know... He needs his own Instagram page, the waiter. Yeah, yeah, then, ev then everyone else can well, see how good he is that, that's funny <laughs> and how enough, free that, he is. Richard, Richard, you've said it in a sense. That is, that is the core of our discussion, is, is yeah. the internet and social media <laughs> means by which people can express and validate and explore and, and, and actually be themselves for now, or are they being drawn further away from themselves? I enjoyed I right, that. That was that was good fun. I live right yeah. next to a church, so I can see gravestones from the house. So I think I'll just go over there and uh, yeah. have a look at them. <laughs> Feel better. Withdrawing, yeah. So I'll just go over the churchyard, sit on a gravestone. Yeah. That was very good. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Are you still recording? Oh, by I'm the way, I'm still recording now. Yeah, don't worry. Any old crap we talk about, I just cut out. And I, I think when we started the second recording, I did a, an American accent that won't go down well. When they, they said, "I'm recording now," I said, "Oh, that's great." So <laughs> I shall um, highlight that, Dan. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I I got lost in. Now I've got to say that first one we did, and when you said with time's running out, I was like, "What?" I was. I really like that stuff on Heidegger. Dan, uh, you were saying. I mean, it was yeah. really made me think more and more now i find myself in my own mental health i take the dogs 
I listen to an audio book or music, but I want to be outside. In... Yeah, it was great, yeah. you two. Thanks for that. Good I really stuff. enjoyed it. I'll, I'll, Cheers, I'll guys. Look after yourselves. Cheers. Oh, brilliant, John. Thank <laughs> you. See you soon. Bye. Take care. See you. Bye. 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 Hegel, Hegel, guys, for next time, yeah? Yeah. Hegel for next time. Hegel. Hegel for next time. Bye. You have been listening to the Spinoza Triad with John Gibbs, Dan Rowland and Richard Miller. Next time we're hoping to consider Hegel and the rise of China. If you have any comments on this episode or future episodes, please leave recorded comments on the Anchor site or send me emails on the email link. If you wish to find out more about Heidegger or other philosophers mentioned, follow some of the links I've supplied on the website or on the podcast links. Thank you for listening.